Hello and welcome to The Dive, presented by Honda, Season 5, Episode 28. 28! 28! 28! 28. See, I've been missing that because Jad always used to do it that way, you know? Kobe does a more regular number. He always, it was always just an emphasis on the number. That's cool. Which number though? Because there's a number for the season and for the episode. Nope, just the episode. Interesting. Yep, not the season. Season didn't matter. The LCS regular season is done. Doesn't matter. It's done. Over. It does matter though, because it qualified teams for the championship. True. Playoffs are coming though. There's seating as well. Yeah. Also mattered. May I say, Mark, you look great today. Thanks. I just try a little something different. <laughs> it's just mixing not a big it up. change. Yeah. To... <laughs> the payoff try of myself. the bets finally here. Mine was from spring when we were remote, and Mark wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Sorry, a good. Sorry, uh, we're not switching. The... Mark wanted me to. <laughs> wow. Wait until we were back in person. Uh, so to recap on my lost bet, Mark gave me the entire field versus Cloud9 for winning the championship, and yeah. I was wrong. Apparently, uh, the better part of that bet is Cloud9. You're an idiot. Just, yeah. It's clearly when you have nine teams versus one, yeah. you should just pick the one. But exactly. they're both nine. I tried to do that again with uh, with TSM. With yeah, Kobe and TSM, and they did finish first. But they didn't keep first the whole time. That Not was even your close. bet. They, they, they were lost gonna... me the bet on the first week <laughs> I made the bet. <laughs> yeah, Mark's bet was that TSM was going to stay in first place the, the whole time. regular season. Yeah. You know, I must say, my hair looks more like I want to speak to the manager and less. <laughs> it does. It's less like your like came out wrong and you have a strong opinion about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Azale does have strong opinions about lattes, so at least it fits. Do I? <laughs> yes. I, it's, it's canon. <laughs> you can't take it back. Okay. The first rule of improv is you can't say no. Yes, You'd I have am. To say yes to, yeah, exactly. It's yes, I am. Well, luckily, we're on a podcast and not in problem. <laughs> I can say uh, no. How dare you? You're fired. I'm going to talk to your manager. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on from the bets, uh, B, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, he gave an interview talking about putting in 14 hours a day, um, you know, what it takes to basically remain on top, like absolutely grinding. There's, there's a lot of people have kind of known this about LCK, known this about LPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, when when there is like a hot topic in the community, a lot of people tend to weigh in. I got sh- relatively strong opinions on it because there's there's a couple angles. It's like one, you know, is this what you should be doing? And then there's the community like trying to tell people not to do it. And there was like yeah. this weird thing about like free time and this and that, that it felt like the conversation kind of went all over the place. Yeah. But for me, at least talking about wanting to be the best and putting in the time, I mean, like you can say that like, yeah, it's not healthy. It probably causes burnout. It probably takes years off your life, 50 years from now. Like that's probably all true. But at the same time, like a lot of these people are making the choice to try and be the best right Right. now. And if you go back and look at the interviews by almost every single winner of Worlds, I can remember the players say this. You go back to season three, Faker and Piglet said this. Season four, you had... uh, Looper and Acorn and them talking about, yep, I slept like four hours a night. Season five, SKT again. Season six, Crown and Samsung. I might skip no, one. SKT again. Good. SKT again. SKT again. Then season and seven again. is Crown. Yeah. yeah. And then season eight, I forget who it was. Uh, IG. IG. Yep. You, you can ask them about it. Yep. Yep. Doin B. Yep. It's just, it's what you need. And, and maybe there's another path forward yep. that is more efficient and more friendly to your time and mental health and even long-term health. But yep. no one knows what that is yet. No one's found it yet. And so it seems to be like this is the path forward to being the best. And I mean, like, like I, I had kind of a strong reaction to this because, like, I feel like I've lived it a bit. Mm-hmm. And like, and my my take was basically like, you know, I tweeted about it, and some people were agreeing with me. Some people are like, you're an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as both is, those things as, are true, by the way. As is normal. you're right and an idiot. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, 
And and my take is basically, you know, it's just like trying to be the best at something. Like the, when we're talking not literal good, best, not good, not great, the yeah. literal best in the world it is just inherently unhealthy because like by definition, you are going above and beyond what is normal, what is reasonable. You are doing what others are unwilling to do to try to eke out every tiny little advantage. Like you just can't live a balanced life when you're doing it. I never lived a balanced life when I was doing it or anything even remotely mm-hmm. close to it. Um, I think it's true of, of pretty much all these people because at the end of the day, everyone who is at that level, who is at like world championship level is gifted, right? Like everyone has some in- inherent level of talent and then it becomes, what can you do with that gift? How hard can you work? How how far are you willing to go? It does not guarantee success if you work hard. You know, there's there's mitigating factors, there's luck involved, there's teammates, there's contracts, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the people at the top unanimously work ridiculously hard. And, and I've always just kind of had the opinion that it's just like, at the end of the day, it just feels egotistical to think that you can work way less than someone else and still be better. I'm right? going to work smarter than you. And it's yeah. like, and that helps, right? Like, sure. 12 hours of bad practice is probably worse than six hours of great practice. Yeah. Like your 12 hours of solo queue is worse than my six hours of scrims. Yep. Sure. Okay. But you know, their 12 hours of solo queue is actually six hours of scrims and six hours of solo queue. Mm. So they just did more solo queue than you. Oh, look, they passed you. Like, I know I know of players who it's like, you know, when they want to learn a new champion, um, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I played some lane tests. Like, I feel comfortable. And it's like, cool, so you've never team fought with Gwen? Nope. All right, well, that's how much practice you put in. So good luck carrying late game. And it's like, well, this is why solo queue for all the haters matters, right? Because, yeah, solo queue is uh, it is not a scrim. It is not a match. How many Gwen matches has everyone played in every pro league? Like seven at most? Cool. How many team fights have you fought? Gwen into Ezreal. Literally zero. All right, cool. Well, guess what? You're against Ezreal in the first round of Worlds, and you've never played the matchup? Oh, I guess Solo Q mattered after all, right? And it's like, this stuff matters. It does. Like, the effort you put in, the time you put in, is relevant. And yeah, if, if you're going to practice worse because you slept for one hour and your body doesn't, like, actually, like process the lessons then you're you're practicing very stupidly yes indeed but like assuming you're getting like the right amount of sleep and like you're not pissing off your teammates by being sleep deprived and angry with them it's like okay well find the hours to put in more work ah you're gonna be better than the person who didn't i think especially for league because a lot of people start bringing up examples from other situations where they're like look people are healthy and the best in chess. other sports chess, and, a lot of people were bringing yeah they play four to five hours a day yeah well guess what chess doesn't change that much you know, like there's still a lot to study. I don't want to minimize chess's changes and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. difficulty or whatever. But in pro sports, chess, whatever, you don't have to get a patch that changes everything you know every two weeks. And not quite everything, but there's massive seasonal turnover between seasons that changes how you play. There's tweaks. There's new champions introduced. There's more change in league than I think most other, you know, like things you're going to compare to other than other esports themselves, mm-hmm. just because patches are so different than rule set changes and anything else. And so it becomes a necessity to play that much to be the best in, in especially League of Legends and other esports because guess what? You need to put those hours in again to relearn the things that changed on you. You can't yeah. just get back into practice shape. Which Learning is what, Gwen, yeah. the example just used, right? Right, yeah. Like in basketball, you like get back into practice shape and you're largely fine because it's muscle memory you've built up through 20 years of playing. Mm-hmm. There's no muscle memory for a new champ. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, and, and the ranges change. I think like college and 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 BA, I think have different have different distances and heights and whatnot and, and everything else. But uh, to the point about chess, though, my understanding, and I'm I'm a little bit out of my expertise here, but like the more popular chess formats are now like very very fast chess formats, like like long form like 20 minute clocks or whatever, which I think is like fairly long chess game. Is like yeah, that game hasn't changed much in a long time. But like oh, people are playing speed chess now, right? Mm-hmm. And playing bullet yeah. chess now, and it's like oh, well, it turns out that's like a really different way of playing, and you are gonna get reps. Like it is gonna be helpful to practice that yeah. one and get better because like the strategies and tactics don't work the same because it's much more intuitive and that's going to require you building the reps out. Um, and I know you and your Twitter convo linked out something about um, Tom, Brady. Tom Brady. And it's like, oh yeah, that man actually worked 16 hours a day. He just didn't throw the football 16 hours a day yeah. because yes, guess what? You can't, but yeah. like it was training and going to physical therapists and getting, you know, like getting cryo recovery and watching footage. And yeah. like, you know, I'm not saying someone needs to literally be like hand on mouse and keyboard playing League of Legends all day, every day. But like, I do think to become the world champion, you need to be watching, thinking, right. talking, playing all day, every day. And I think that's just the reality. Watch some Canyon VODs. Go watch, like, okay, now we're now we're in a situation like we're going to use LCS postseason, another example. Cool. Um, you are now into one opponent per week. Okay, cool. Um, who is anyone going to watch all of Impact's Pro View games? Like, Impact Europe against, um, I want to say Fate God. Is that accurate? Yep. Yeah. It's like, cool. How many, how many, how many fake god games and vice versa are you going to watch hitting that match? Now, EG's probably winning that one anyway, right? So it's like it doesn't really matter in that case, but in the TLC9 game. All right, Alfari, how many fudge pro views are you going to watch? How many blabber pro views are you going to watch? You don't have to play solo queue if you don't really want to, but like, how well do you actually know Blabber's habits? Because guess what? You got first blood in five out of five games in the finals last time. You want to revenge on that one? Mm. Maybe? All right, well, guess what? There's stuff you can do that's not mouse on keyboard. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just such an interesting discussion to me because it's like it's something I, I feel pretty strongly about, you know, and, and there is obviously like other aspects to it. Um, you know, like Magnus Carlsen, world champion chess player, uh, you know, he played chess for 17 years before he became the world champion. League of Legends hasn't been out for nearly that long and also has changed like an enormous amount yeah. from like when it came out to now. Right. Like and, mm-hmm. and even every year, there's significant changes. So I do think that's part of it. The other thing I want to make clear, and, and I did say this on Twitter as well, is that like I am not advocating for this lifestyle. I'm not saying that like you should do this and like everyone needs to like, you know, give up your whole life and grind your life away to do this. You know, it's it's absolutely fine to want work-life balance yep. i want work-life balance yep, i want to have other things in my life i, I want to spend time with my I wife i'll be the world's best dog and, ever yeah <laughs> I've come to terms with that. but and it's like and there's nothing wrong with that right and there's also nothing wrong like i i don't think with a with a pro not wanting to do that right like yeah you can you can, your goal can just be to be a pro and maintain that and i think that's that's great and that's respectable i just think that if you truly want to be world champion that's what it takes and you know like and i get that some people will will be burned out and um, you know, and that's, that's negative long-term and also people's, people's like how much they can take is just different. Right. But like if, if X person, if doing B can practice 14 hours a day and, and maintain that and not get burned out and you can practice six or eight hours a day and not get burned out. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't adhere to that. You should, you should listen to your body. You should prioritize your mental and physical well-being mm-hmm. above everything else. But at the end of the day, the reality is just the guy who can withstand practicing twice as much yep. gets an advantage and you need every tiny little advantage plus the luck plus all the x factors to be able to be a world champion and there's a lot of people who do do this regiment and don't become world champions of course. like sure tons of korean pros and lpl pros have given it all come up short and mm-hmm. i think that's like the part that's you know it's a bit of confirmation bias but i also think it's just speaks to like 
how hard everyone is trying mm-hmm. to be the best and like one person ends up or you know five yeah. people end up getting there and and like you know obviously doing doing that work it doesn't guarantee anything right yeah. because there are things that you can't control it's like somewhat nature somewhat nurture right mm-hmm. like i do just believe that like some people are just lucky and, and born with like better skills or, or better ability to like understand and adapt or read the yeah. information or intuit things or whatever um and you know it's just you just have to like but i but i do believe that you will never know for sure. Like if you are, if you are at a really, really high level, like if you are a pro and you're a really good pro, you will never know for sure if you can be like the actual best unless you put in that work. And that's just a decision that like everyone has to make for themselves and, and be comfortable with. Covers it pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Battle for the soul of the LCS. There was a, a Peter Dunn interview and and I thought it was really, really cool. I just listened to a couple minute clip that was say on Say his Twitter. name. It's a Travis Gafford it interview was, with Peter yep. Dunn. Well, I was going to say that. I usually, I always credit Travis, even on broadcast. Uh, so Travis, Travis Gafford, <laughs> Travi G, if you will. Did you know that I was the one who came up with TGI? He stole that from me in an interview. Really? I think you're owed yep. royalties legally. I am. Yep. So he he stole my name, and it's the interview's probably still on his YouTube channel, so we can go check the tapes. Uh, but anyway, good. <laughs> uh, good old Travis Gafford here. He did an interview with Peter Dunn, and Peter Dunn was basically talking about, um, you know, kind of like the the big three, and you know, TL, TSM, C9, and how TSM and TL play this kind of like slower, methodical style where they look to outscale, where they wait for you to make mistakes, and they punish you, and they capitalize on that. And basically, they're able to do it because they have superior laning. They're better individual players than most of their opponents. But come international time, guess what? That's no longer true. And his belief is that when you play that style, you are then kind of like doomed to the 06 or to at least not doing well internationally whereas the teams like he he did give some some mention to cloud nine but also of course he's talking about eg his own team he believes that when you are willing to play the aggressive style take those risks you have a much better chance against these top teams even if you cannot be you know just as good in lane yeah i mean it makes sense if it's like okay you have a one to a zero to a hundred skill rating for each team in the world yeah but then you know like most things there's standard deviation how much are you going to change game mm-hmm. to game if you're a team that's like a 70 team liquid sure and you have a standard deviation of five you're, you're not going to beat right the 80 team but if you're 65 with a deviation of 20 like hey we might get 85 on our yeah. good day and take them down you know and these ranges are always going to play and i think that's a good right. way to think about how upsets happen is like someone hits their high end someone hits their low end boom upset how does how did alice knox luna get through groups in the right. rocks tigers g2 uh clg groups like well they actually played really vol- vol- you know volatilely and also the other three teams all underperformed it's like yep. that all had to happen sure but like Teams are volatile. Players are volatile. This happens. And then they got completely stomped 3-0 <laughs> in the quarter, right? Because, you know, H2K just, like, played to their level, and they're 20 points higher. So it's like, of course, they're going to win. Yeah. So, I mean, I like the idea, too, especially for North America, because it feels so long, like, many of our top teams have been that style that he is critiquing a little bit internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that this Team Liquid does not go back to that, which, like, their last game of the split against C9 was that style. And even though Jensen got, like, eight kills, it was like, well, your team comp doesn't really do anything. It's just mm-hmm. scales and tries to fight front to back, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I always think it's really interesting, and I, and I do think that, you know, we've talked about this through a different lens uh, previously on the dive. Like, I agree with him first and foremost. You know, more more risky League of Legends, more aggressive League of Legends has a better chance to, to do well, I think, internationally, because... Yeah. 
you know, realistically, you're, you're probably not going to match up against the number one LPL seed or whatever in, in lane by lane. Uh, that's just like, they're just so good. And that's kind of the reality of League of Legends right now. Yep. So I do think it's, it gives you a better chance. I think it's more exciting. And I also think that we have seen this uh, through through G2 when they were dominating Europe and started to do well internationally. Cloud9, when they started winning, people emulate the team that they perceive to be the best. And there was this huge shift in League of Legends with SKT was dominating. Everyone was trying to be SKT Junior and like basically play the map and play slow and have complete vision. And you just ended up being a bad version of that. And, you know, when, when G2 and IG and FPX and all these teams came and kind of showed a different way, teams began to emulate that. And I think you do get a microcosm of that in the LCS. And because I kind of do prefer seeing our teams play aggressive and take risks, I want them to do well internationally. I think when the best team is an aggressive team, you're more likely to get more teams in the LCS playing that style, which gives you more practice, you know, in, in these skirmishes and in these fights. And I think that's one of the advantages that a lot of the LPL teams have is that there's so many teams that have incredibly skilled mechanical players yep. and are willing to fight you at every single turn. And it turns out when you fight all day, every day, you get pretty incredible at it. So, you know, yep. you get these LPL teams that show up at Worlds or show up at MSI and they've just taken like, a thousand of that team fight and and they know how to play it out and they see these windows and they believe in their execution mm -hmm. and it allows them to create monumental advantages. Yeah, I mean, you can go back and look at some of the the closest games. Like uh, I, I know you look at, uh, I mean, think back through Worlds MSI forever and it's like, okay, wow, we're in this like really tight game where it's like, wow, G2 could beat IG here or, you know, CLG against whoever. And it's like, well, we're 25 minutes in and it's close. All right, we're about to lose now, aren't we? Right, like, like it's just, it's just, it's the dread where it's like if you don't snowball, like it's just gonna happen eventually. Yeah. And before it was like, well, because the Korean teams just macro better. We're actually at a point in time where I feel like the actual sort of like macro skill set is not that far across among top teams among all the top five regions. Like I really believe that. Like generally speaking, it's actually pretty close. But it's like, but then you have like the shy against G two, and it's like, well. He found the flanks better than you guys did, right? Like, you know, it, the individual players are what changed it around. You get, you know, the really sick Mad Life hooks or whatever, or Faker's big outplays. It's like, yeah, you can just look at the demo review and you're like, yeah, they had better hands. They just had better hands. That's why they won. And 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 that is now, I feel like that's a lot of like the phase we're in of the game where the top teams just, you know, really globally, they actually just have better hands. And, and that comes through in the end. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting to talk about that because back in the day when teams lost against some of these Korean teams, they'd be like, oh, wow, they got a, a bunch of kills, but they're down CS across the board and they're actually down gold. Right. Now when you watch teams lose against the better teams, it's like, oh, they got crushed in lane or they yeah. got crushed in 5v5. That early game, fights. just like the lane was instantly doomed. Like, yeah. Like, that, there was that 16-minute win, IG versus SKT at, at MSI like two years ago, and it's like... They actually just ended the game. The just Draven the game, I think it was, right? Huh? Yeah. Draven game. Yeah, it was yeah. Raven. It was like they actually won the game sub 20. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. when you can do that, that's how you know you're a world championship team. I feel like snowballing too. Like that is one thing as well that these teams do so well is push advantages, you know, because because they are willing to take risks to do it and they are so good mechanically, they can execute on these plays, right? Execute on these dives where people would actually just back off and a lot of other teams, a lot of other regions, they'll pull off a dive, they'll both live with 10% HP, but like they saw the angle you're dead now. Yep. Guess what? Your lane's yep. over. And towers are deterministic, right? Like mm -hmm. minions are deterministic. And it's like, I know what four abilities you have. Mm -hmm. Okay, play around those. Like, I'm just ready for each cooldown. Cool. All right, we did it. Like, there's nothing else you can do. You can't out aim me, right? This isn't, you know, Valorant where it's like, well, it was a sick shot and he shouldn't have won. We played it right. It's like, League can be played deterministically, like to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Um, so, 
it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see like how EG does, you know, and kind of the the fallout of that, you know, to see if they actually can succeed. And and Peter also talked about, hey, like even even if they don't go to Worlds or they don't do well, that he hopes that they can like show or prove that mm-hmm. this style can win and can be, you know, kind of up there with the big dogs. I'm excited. I think I can. All right, moving on to the next topic. There's one other controversy in the social medias we got to talk about. This time involving 100 Thieves starting their academy roster on the last day of the LCS. The game did not matter to them, but it mattered to EG, who if they had won, they would have gotten third. That's what happened. Um, And so uh, some people reacted to it. Uh, Santorin in particular was was like, this is disrespectful. And, you know, there are different takes. C9 kind of memed it uh, a little bit with Jack. And so in general, I think I aligned with the community sentiment I saw about it being like, hey, this is 100 Thieves right to do what they want in the league by being in this position yeah. by playing well enough that this game doesn't matter and they have their buy yeah. and so that's that's probably the closest take that i land on i don't know how you guys feel Th- that's my take as well I'll, I'll kind of expand on my position slightly so yeah i think under thieves did nothing wrong like to be very clear if you want like a sound bite it's that one uh end of the day like the the job of each team is to do what's best for their team obviously play by the rules no cheating allowed right you know all that yeah. fairness is required but like Okay, well, you are evil geniuses, the LCS organization, the company, like, you know, you care about, or, you know, or your 100 Thieves, right, the, the company, whatever. It's like, okay, you want to do as well as you can. You want to be as marketable as you can. You want your academy players ready to go. Because, like, hey, if someone offers you a $7 million Abadaga buyout, maybe you take it, right? Like, oh, actually, that's going to make business sense for us as a company to sell Abadaga. Like, you know, we we did smart scouting him, but this is now correct for us. So, like, well, we we want Ryama to be ready or whatever. But, you know, be just ready for every opportunity. Um, How many times has Cloud9 had the understudy ready to go, right? Oh, wow, I can't believe they got rid of Impact. Well, Licorice got good by the end of the year. Oh, they got rid of Licorice. Oh, well, Fudge got good by the end of the year. And it's like, yeah, it turns out like scouting talent and rewarding them and getting them ready to go is like really, 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 really valuable. Um, even in terms of like making money because you can sell your players off for buyouts, but also just like being ready to go if like something happens, you know, we have Santorin who had migraines, which like that sucks for him. But it's like, OK, well, TL, you know, I hope Armeo's ready because he's going, you know, Alfar was having um, personal issues where he had to step away. It's like, well, I hope Jenkins is ready. And it's like, look, it's just correct for these teams to like have their academy players ready to go. And yeah, okay, they first and foremost went for the buy. They locked the buy. Okay, let's make sure our understudy is ready to go. They're going to bring a sixth player to playoffs. They're going to bring a sixth and maybe seventh player to Worlds. Yeah, have them ready, right? It's just correct to do so. Yeah. Did you have a, a different thing? Because I, I, mean, I got a little bit more I can put on top of his before you... You can go for it. I, I would say also, not only like the player angle of your academy team, but also your starters. You get them a day off, like, hey, good job, guys. You're secure to buy. Go out and get Korean barbecue or whatever. And then also, I don't have to show you what I'm going to draft now. Like, great. Sure. Like, there's there's actually no reason for 100 Thieves, selfishly, to play their main roster. There's actually nothing that they get out of it, and it just hurts them, you could argue. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you need the reps against EG, because that's going to be their, their opponent most likely, right? Is EG right, beats but when they fight again. It's like if you same, really need same, that practice. That goes both ways, of, of course. course so that, like, yeah, yeah. So but like, you could argue, oh, actually, you know, it's important for me. Argument, right? Yeah. So that is is probably, probably the main reason for me is like, if I'm an outsider, I'm like, yeah, I want to watch the best League of Legends possible at every moment. If I'm on the team, I'm like, I'm doing me 100% of the time. I don't care what you think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. Like, I think I'm somewhat in the middle. Like, I, I had to take similar to like what uh Santorin's was during worlds and i think a lot of people <laughs> reacted pretty negatively to it you know didn't agree with me and that's, and that's and that's fair <laughs> enough um you know i i've been in this position myself and 
you know, like in, intentionally like lost games because it didn't benefit me. And I was already like locked in into getting out of groups. And it was better for me to, you know, get second seed because I got a better matchup in, in the playoffs. Right. And it's like, is that the most honorable thing? No, it's probably not. But also like, is it the advantage you have earned by like guaranteeing they are already locked in? Yeah. Um, and and I I'm, I'm not sure if this if this really was any sort of like gamesmanship from Hundred Thieves or if it's just purely like hey we want to develop our academy roster, like my interpretation like you know I mean Parth tweets also very interesting. Hundred Thieves who play EG tomorrow has a lot of power over who their opponents is in playoffs. As a GM, I wonder what would I do for my game tomorrow if my seat is locked and I think EG is a weaker team than C9. So like heavily implying that they're losing on purpose, right? To to like essentially set up the bracket in the way that they want. Um, like I I don't know you know it, it's tough because I think that my understanding is we removed dynamic seating because there was like that Golden Guardians TSM interaction where essentially with like the bracket the flip, lower bracket gets funky exactly like where the bracket got flipped and Golden Guardians beat TSM then had to play them again and lost to them their like overall record against them was like five and three or whatever but they're still knocked out. So it literally got changed to avoid that is my understanding. And I apologize if I'm wrong. Um, but like, so yes, dynamic seating would would fix what Parth is complaining about. But also like there's this other thing that they literally benefited from that everyone complained about that that this current system is fixing. So it's like there is no system that is perfect in, in all regards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also just like I, I had a really adverse reaction to Parth's tweets in general. Like I just really didn't agree at all with what he was saying. Because to me, it just felt like just a bunch of complaining, right? You know, like his, his literal tweet is our reward for getting first since his lot bracket is no choice in semi's opponent, no dynamic reseeding. No, eh. your reward is, is that EG. Is, well, <laughs> A, a you dodge them. B, you start in the upper bracket, you get a buy, you win one best of five, you are guaranteed worlds. And guess what? If you get upset by a team like Clutch, like what happened before, now you're not out of playoffs. There's a lower bracket. You're still in it. Like the advantage is enormous. You're the number one team. Yeah. And like for for me, it's it's such a head scratcher when like like I get wanting a fair format, but like it already is so favored to the top two teams. Like it is insanely favored towards them as far as making worlds. And you're the number one team in the league. And you know, TSM it's has talked enough. so many times about like <laughs> wanting to win worlds and all this stuff. And I'm like, you're concerned about having to fight the fourth or the fifth seed <laughs> when your your supposed goal is doing well internationally and you literally have to win one best of five to get there. I'm just like, I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't want to fight Team Liquid. I want to fight Dignitas after the upset. I get the idea happen. that like first versus second doesn't have many tangible rewards because depending on the teams, whoever you play might not be any easier than who yeah. they play. But, but on average, it is. But on average, it is. And other than doing dynamic seeding or choose your opponent or whatever it is, which are basically the same things, so you're going to be changing the bracket around post-block. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know. What what do you... Like, everything yeah. has a cost. Yep. And, like, right now, you're myopically like this. We didn't get anything better than 100 Thieves, arguably. But... I don't know. Like, yeah, you dodge wanna, the two other eighteen and nine teams, and from summer, well, you like, want like the you, Korean playoff format that was awful, where you had the gauntlet preceded with the number one team, and you mm -hmm. just had like I, I, I didn't like that. And they but, got no practice heading into the only match that mattered. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of formats that yeah, like I don't know. It's, it felt weird. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the format is not perfect. It's not like there is no perfect format. Yeah. I played a lot of them. I, I do think that with double round rob, like with double elimination though, when you're starting in the upper bracket. 
the best teams generally get there. Yes, there can be exceptions, but you have two shots. Mm -hmm. And generally, like these systems that give more games and more chances most heavily favor the top teams, right? So like if I'm the number one seed and I'm starting with a buy in the top in the upper bracket, I'm not even worried about getting to worlds. Like I think that should be, yep. you know, that should be the least of your concerns. And and if it is, then mm -hmm. I don't know, that that's a little bit concerning in and of itself. We can segue to like the next playoff topic, which I know in our document is moving around a little bit, but I want to bring it up because it's talking about the fact that one of, at least one of TSM, TLRC9 aren't going to be top three, aren't going to make worlds. One of them has to, right? Because mm -hmm. one side of the bracket, that's TLT, SMC9. Someone's got to win that second round matchup. Other side of the bracket is is um, Evil Geniuses, uh, Dignitas, and 100 Thieves. Of course, one of those also must make it, which all seems fair to me, but it also means, you know, contrapositively, okay, one of those teams on that side is guaranteed to miss. And it's like, well, this is what happens when, you know, you got, right, so TSM got first. Okay, good job. You're in a really good spot. And then here's TL and C9 who floundered really heavily in summer and their seeds four and five. And it's like, well, they have to knock one of each other down to the lower bracket and then one of them fights TSM. And then, well, there's only one way back in through the bottom half. So someone's not making it from that point on. And it's like, well, this is also your punishment for like not, you know, doing very well, right? And having like these 15 and 12 records is like one of the one of those two teams, TLC9, are probably the ones not making it. Yeah, it's it's it is surprising, but honestly, I don't think those three teams have ever gone together. If no, I'm not mistaken, yep, so never. it's actually expected. That's I mean, my conclusion. I'm actually yeah. not surprised. It, it is interesting though because it did feel like that coming into this year there were such big investments. You know, T TL always spends big or, yeah. or has ever since they started winning. Yeah. Like that's kind of been their thing. They're the Yankees and they're going to buy mm -hmm. the best talent and they're going to try to create a championship team. And they've been successful at doing it. Right? Sure. They won four in a row. Yep. Um, you know, TSM. And C9. They spent the most this year. They spent a lot this year. And, this year. and C9 especially, like, have not really done that before, right? They've they've spent money, but they've never been, like, the big spender. They've been more the team that makes the controversial move where it's like, ah, oh, we're getting rid of Impact and bringing in Licorice. Ah, oh, we're getting rid of Licorice and we're bringing in uh, the next guy. Like, they, yeah. they have spent on, on Zven and obviously there are Vulcan examples. Vulcan as well. Like, Vulcan they, as they well. Have, the they have been increasing. Like, it's actually been an upward yep. trend, right? Buying Vulcan the year before, buying Perks this year. Like, they are now becoming the big spender. Yeah. And to be fair, like they had this drought for like five years of winning mm -hmm. titles, right? Like they didn't they didn't win for so long. They won in 2014 spring and then stopped forever. Till right. 20, and everyone else got their turns. Yeah. And then they finally came back and it's like, oh, yeah, they've won two of the last four titles now. Yep. And that's since, you know, right. They got one with perks. They got one with the Vulcan. And it's like, oh, OK, cool. Like. This is the new formula, and it has worked. I mean, pretty well for them. Yeah, it has. And I mean, the per the perks one is obviously like the eleven million dollar deal, and Sword Art's like you know six million dollar deal or whatever he is. These guys are huge acquisitions. So very clearly, the expectation when you when you spend huge like that is you are going to do better than ever before because you are spending more than ever before. You are getting you know arguably the best Western player of all time. You know, perks or caps is pretty much the argument. I mm -hmm. think at this point, and you know the expectation is that you kind of dominate and. So I do think through that lens, like whatever org does not make it, it will feel like a catastrophic failure, whether it's TL, TSM, C9, it doesn't matter because all those teams have such high expectations. All those teams truly invested to try to buy like best in class talent. And, you know, they couldn't get every single player that they wanted because that's just the reality of the business. Like I know that they were shooting for some other players and couldn't get them, whatever, but all of them ended up spending huge. So I, I do think from that lens, it's going to be like a, a bit of a shocker for that fan base that doesn't make it. You can basically write the same joke for each of them about spent X money and didn't make worlds. Sure. And it works for all of them. You just, just got to change the number and the team name and you, you're there. <laughs>
paid paid yeah. paid ten million dollars to watch Worlds at home yeah. you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, great. And on the other side, of course, you have um, you know props given to EG and Hunter Thieves. Obviously, Hunter Thieves spent this year as well, right? Yeah. They they bought out the entire. EG also, I've heard their roster is like not cheap. There's not like cheap. Yeah, uh, it's just not in the in the you know stratosphere you know eight figures range is my understanding. But but yeah, it's like okay, you you, you did a lot with comparatively less and it's no surprise that the literal top five teams in the league spent the five most amounts of money yeah right like turns out you can buy some talent and your team looks really really good like no one's i would say like mad at immortals or dignitas or whatever in terms of like okay you you like clearly didn't have a very big budget this year right like you didn't get that much from your ownership group or whatever as far as i can tell it's like okay well we, we put together the best roster we could with the money and hey we made playoffs we made an upper bracket start cool all right let's see what you can do with it it's gonna mm -hmm. be you know you're the underdog good luck yep totally all right, Honda MVP. So we're actually going to talk about the real MVP. Fine, it's not yeah. going to be like a spin on it because uh, the regular season is over. The ballots have gone out. Uh, I just saw my ballot, but I've been I was recording next I level earlier, so I have not actually submitted mine. Submitted mine last minute. Okay, I need to cook it as long as I can. Okay, great. Yeah, so we have till tomorrow at noon. So we have is that. You know, it. Yep. So you hope oh, it's a well shit. done ballot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Wednesday at like midnight. It's what it used to be. I think. Too late. I, don't know, I think it. Oh, well, anyway, it doesn't mine's matter. done. Who cares? We'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. So, who's your uh, who's your MVP then, Freak? What do you think? Uh, so, I went with what I talked about last time on the dive. My MVP is Spica. Um, TSM have right. This is a summer split record. So, it is, there's the weird kind of disconnect between like what are their standings right now, what's their standings in summer. Yeah. It's still lined up one to one. Like the only swap is Immortals versus Dignitas. Otherwise, um, the summer record and overall record are, are matched basically. Um, but it's it's Spica. Um, I think he's just been outstanding overall. He's been, I think, the most standout jungler. Um, Closer is right behind him in All Pro, to be clear. Like he's great, but um, I just think he's been consistently an outstanding jungler. He's been killing it uh, overall. TSM, to me, are the best team in the league. Their record suggests that they're at least tied for that sort of honor. Um, so I'm just, I'm about it. All right. I feel like junglers are overrated. Just in general. I've thought back on it. The Blabber ones, the Svenskeren ones, always getting MVPs. I think Yankos grabbed a couple. People always talk about how good junglers mm -hmm. are. They're just playing on top teams with, with good laners. Junglers are overrated. Okay. Well, my MVP is Spica. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like that. I, that I swear to God, I had this conversation. I forget who I was talking about. I was talking with like High and some other people on the desk one of these days. And we're just like, man, junglers get so overrated because what ends up happening is you get on a good team. Your lanes, your lanes start winning. You don't have to like babysit lanes that are losing or like go for these risky ganks. You can just yeah. like go for these invades that are more likely to work because your teams are like, there's so many advantages that a jungler will get on a winning team. More so than like everyone looks better on a winning team. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But jungler by far has the biggest like oh yeah i look real good now all my lanes win i get to steal blue buffs i get i get, <laughs> to, I get to pick three v3s and it doesn't matter because my team's here first and it's like <laughs> it's and i think it leads to a bit of an overinflation of people's opinion of junglers but i also can't snap out of them like i think speaker played the best this year overall or this split overall of, of every position the most consistent mm -hmm. you know mid laners no one's stood out actually jazuke is probably gonna be my first all pro honestly mm -hmm. um you know, Jizuke yeah. is on my top three for MVP. Yeah, top lane, like, yeah, Fudge is really good, but the team has struggled, and it's not like he's been perfect, you know? Yeah. It's it's like, I, I think it's Pika. But at the same time, I just made my own argument where I'm like, man, I'm about to give it to another jungler. I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's, I'm being duped again. It's I also think part, a big part of, of why junglers look so good, it's like, okay, if you have a really good jungler on a really good team, the position also just naturally has the most choice. It has, a, yeah, right? tons of agency. Like, you don't, like, even if you get counterpicked in the jungle 
well, my lanes are winning, so they can't invade me anyway. Who cares, right? Like, I'm playing Diana. Oh, no, I don't want to fight the Olaf, but guess what? All my laners are better, so I don't yeah. have to, right? Yeah, we, like We put a ward down, and where Olaf is, okay, cool, yep. I'll give you bot scuttle. Like, that... I'm down one camp. That's the summary. The summary of the counter pick. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's, it's not. It's not like you're trapped in this like cursed lane where you're just getting slammed, right? Like, ooh, I picked Vayne and he played Draven. Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> this you know, is a fifteen. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's one of those those things. So it's like you choose where to go. If you are incredibly skilled, incredibly good, like Blabber is, like Speak is, your lanes are generally winning, you go to the places where you are going to be successful, and then guess what? You're really freaking good, and so is your team, so you can execute on that. So I do agree that it is like somewhat biased to jungle in that way, um, but I also think that there's opportunities for laners to really shine because they can lock people in a matchup where they can exploit them. And so like, that's the other side of the coin yeah. is like, you know, when you have a mid laner who's just dominating everybody and it's like the, their opponent cannot say, I think I'm just going to go three man bot for a while. You know, like, I guess I just won't you defend know, the tower, lane. right? <laughs> like, and that's, that's why there was a lot of argument for Alfari getting it in spring. Because this man just demolished everyone so friggin' hard and they had nowhere to go, right? They had to keep going back up there and losing to him some more. And so, like, there is that other side of the coin. Um, but, I mean, I think Spica, it's it's kind of hard to argue against him. I do think that it's like... I have to think more about this before I lock it in, but I do think Avadaga should still be really considered. He was not as dominant towards the end, but there is that recency bias of like looking at like how he's done now. I don't think he's been playing bad at all lately, but I think he has been playing like just good. Whereas the first, I don't know, month or whatever of the split, the it was like, holy crap, this guy slams everybody, yeah. right? And and I don't think that should be overlooked either. Like, who do I think is a better team right now? TSM. You know, like, who do I think is playing better over these last couple of weeks? Spica. But if I'm trying to, like, give equal equal credence and equal value to all of the weeks, then Abadaga definitely has to be considered. I think um, one thing about the recency bias is, like, I think it's important to note on, like, a did this person just have a bad game and just like run it once? Like, you know, POE had that game on Syndra where he died a bunch of times and mm -hmm. just got picked off. Like, that doesn't actually change my opinion of how he's playing at the current level. He just had a bad game. I would say recency bias does matter to me a little bit in an MVP situation where it's like you're, you should be improving over the course of the year. Like, I do actually tend to wait a little bit more towards the end of the year than the beginning. I don't want to forget that Abadage was a beast mm -hmm. and, you know, Closer was a beast and 100 Thieves was hard slamming everyone for the first half of the split. But yeah. at the same time, falling off to me is like, that's not what you should be doing. So yeah. I do, it's like you're trending the wrong way and that does matter to me, not just in terms of like, this guy played a, a 10 out of 10 game on week two and this guy played a 10 out of 10 game on week nine. Great. Yeah. But if your trend of, of performance is actually going up between them, like that's a better one right there for me. So sure. I do treat a little bit more uh, for end of, end of split. Then if you're talking about end of split, you know, why not more consideration towards EG, right? Who has basically just been slamming everybody for what, four weeks straight now? Yeah. Like, what about Impact? You know, Impact has been being brought up. What about Jazuke? Like, this guy, you know, you mm -hmm. said he was your first-team first, first all-pro mid laner. Mm -hmm. The team is is literally trouncing everyone lately. Like, yeah, they've, they've had some losses. Some yeah, MVP. whatever. I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but, like, you know, they, they've been winning, what is it? It's, like, 12 of their last 14 or or, or 13 of the last 15 or, or some, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're really hot. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just wanted to see a little bit more down the stretch. Like the Immortals lost hurt, the TL lost mm -hmm. hurt. Like if they had this insane 
we have a better summer split record than everyone else. They don't. They're tied with the other top three at all 18 and nine. Yep. Um, and to speak as credit, because I kind of just spent my whole time crapping <laughs> on junglers. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking about three winning lanes. He did not have three winning lanes. Yeah, loss doesn't really win. Loss yeah. is not winning lane. <laughs> yeah. POE is picking weak control mages most of the time. Yeah. He's actually a negative CSD and 4% player because he takes bad matchups to scale. Or not bad matchups, just not strong but, yeah. ones. Like, he picks scaling matchups. actually had a really hard time navigating, like, Huni playing aggressive, my bot lane maybe needing help. Poe is not going to be able to help me that much when he's playing Victor yeah. and Lucian. You know, like I actually think he had a really hard job, especially early on in the split, to look as good as he did without getting that much help. As much as I just talked about jungles on winning team, no, I mean, I, don't I, think that's I, I got your really point. I think it's a good clarification, yeah. but like I got your point. Yeah. yeah, but I can also see how people would be like, "You dummy!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Lost was losing, but yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely hard to argue against Spica, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it some more thought. I mean, to yeah. me, it does feel like it's between Spica and maybe Abadaga, uh, as okay. like as like realistically, because yeah. I do just think that Abadaga was like just game warpingly good for a long time, right? It was. And there was a lot of games where it was just like, well. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's doing it again. Like I guess hundred thieves win. Yep. Uh, I think closer closer is really good and had a really good you know like first X part of the split. And I think overall he has been good, but he did have more bad individual games I think than Spica. Mm -hmm. At least that's my kind of like gut check impression. And overall I kind of just rank Spica higher than him. So like I don't think I can really consider someone that I don't have as number one in position. For yeah. MVP. Yeah. 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 One last thing, just to chime in, just because no one asked, uh, is I I gut check my like all pro and MVP votes a little bit because I I will then like tabulate them and then. I'll be like okay so how many points does each team have from all pro yeah because right? like because you get one you get three points for a first place and two for second and, and one for third so like i then go and say okay, well here are the standings right here, right top three are all tied how many all pro points do they have and i'm like does teams have two all pro points okay i did something wrong because there's no way they like everyone played to like a fourth place level and they got top in the regular season so i'll like let's try again and in my case like it you know it, it lined up but it's like it's always with gut checking like if cloud nine Sentinel has like more all pro points than tsm i'm like with four less wins, is this really true? Um, you know, and I can check myself. Yeah. So you can, I do believe. So like in most there cases, are. I think that that is like right. generally true. But take extreme example. Mm -hmm. I have the literal worst bot lane. Oh, league, of course. Right. You know, it's like 10th, 10th. But my top side is so insanely good. It's like they could be dominating and worthy of like first team all pro. Right. But still a team that has, you know, fourth or fifth best in every role is probably going to beat them because maybe the hard 10th support in AD just get gapped every single game so bad. Right. In, in this heuristic, you know, fourth and 10th are yeah. worth the same point total yeah, and, yeah. and obviously are relevant. And like, it's not hard and fast for like you, you must course, now end up course. in the thing, but I'll, I'll check that and be like, am that, I real? Yeah. Of course. And it, yeah. it's worthwhile, right? Like, but it's like a vague thing I can look I thought you were going to go in the other direction, oh. which is sometimes for me, you know, you, you do your things and you look and you're like, hmm, there's, does TSM have the best player in every position? Or are they right. first? Like on their best yeah. splits, you know, they're like, Darius is the best top. Odd the best jungler. Bjergsen's the best mid. And you're like, are is they actually the best in every single position? Or do yeah. they have good teamwork? And they have a couple superstars that they play around well. You know, like, I, I sometimes have to check myself on that because there's definitely yeah. times where you're like, wow, this team slammed. Mm -hmm. Looking at the ballot effort is really valuable. You're like, just but I that. probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> Checking your biases and whatnot. Absolutely. Well, the race for the last spot, Golden Guardians do come out on top with uh, the big assist from CLG, which means CLG and FlyQuest have been eliminated. Rest in peace. Ripperino. Yep. Ripping pepperonis. <laughs> How did you feel about the the final race? Are you like, Do you think that the best team got in? Yes. Yep. Um, like, it, I mean, certainly, and this is weird because the discussion I think keeps being like, Hey, what about season long versus summer split? And at the end of the day, like, okay, well, all the best teams made it, 
but also spring matters, but also, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So like, I think at the end of the day, the, the correct teams made playoffs um, in roughly the correct spots. Um, it is weird. Cause like golden Raiders made the roster just so late. Like if they play the entire year over with licorice um, and, and chime, like, where would they be instead? Like, would they have taken Dignitas' spot in six? Maybe roughly that's where they could have been, right? I don't think they would have t- taken over TL or C9 or anything. They were like, six and six with like Licorice, the right. most recent roster stops, yeah. I believe. And and by comparison, like, Dignitas were one over 500, but most of those wins were the old roster in spring, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and, and Immortals were under that mark with the same roster the entire year or pretty much that. So it's like, okay, well, if that expands out, then in fact, they are better than Immortals and Dignitas. And in fact, that's where they would sit, right? So it's like, Okay, that, that lines up with my expectations. Um, end of the day, um, again, I think the right teams went through. Um, I'm glad CLG won. Um, you know, Golden Guardians on the head-to-head against FlyQuest, for example. FlyQuest were also in a spot where, like, they were still sorting out the roster, right? So I still don't know how strong that team is, but the results are the results. Yeah, I think both those two teams that didn't make it have two different areas to look at in their retro. I think for FlyQuest, their initial lineup that they put together, I was actually kind of optimistic about. Mm-hmm. And it felt like they started at, like, an okay level and just trended down. And I think you want to look at less about GMing and roster construction, more like, well, what happened internally? Is this the right pairing of players? Is it coaching staff? What happened? For CLG, I look at their roster construction because even at the time, no one was really on board with it. Yeah, if you go back and look at everyone's reactions, it was like, this is a sixth or seventh place team. Now they ended up ninth and it went even worse than expected, but no one had high hopes for CLG's roster. And it felt like it was constructed in the old method of not really getting any yeah. new blood in there, but not also getting a bunch of superstars and you just had a bunch of veterans. And so... And they apparently spent quite a bit of money. Yeah, so I, I think CLG place team. needs yeah. to go back to the drawing board and be like, what was our goal? Was yeah. it was it seriously Worlds with that lineup? I think I, that would I, be surprising. I mean, I remember saying this when, when they first came out because like, I was really negative on on CLG when we did our initial power rankings, right? Like I remember when we did that, we were pretty positive on on FlyQuest. I think especially you and Kobe. I were was wrong. Very, very positive. Well, I don't mean that as like a call no, out, no, no, just no. more through the lens of like, hey, like there's a mix of young talent. Jose Diodo did really well in his region. Licorice is this guy who's coming hot off Cloud Nine. Like you know, people people saw the way up. People saw the thought process at least. Mm-hmm. With with CLG, to me, like I truly believe. That was like almost a roster built like in fear of getting last. Like it, it felt like get known quantities, you know, relatively yeah. big names, people who've been around for a long time that are going to be pretty good. And that's really how it felt like that when I was looking at this and I'm trying to parse like, what is the thought process here? Right. It's like you're not going to take any risks like risks by getting the young person that you haven't seen. You're going to take the guy who's been there for seven years or six years or whatever. And you feel pretty confident about Finn being maybe the one exception. Yeah, mm-hmm. But he was um, just at Worlds. He was just at like, Worlds. Clearly good. <laughs> yeah. And, and it just really felt like, like, as you were saying, the old school way of building a roster, right? Whereas we have seen so much more now of, of teams willing to take chances on young talent. And to me, it's like, there should almost be the two schools of like, do you think you can challenge for the championship? Okay, all in. And if you don't, then like start to build for the future, right? Mm-hmm. And CLG did neither and still did worse than everyone else who did. So that's why it feels like such a catastrophic failure. It's like you spent money, you got all veterans, and you're 10th place. Yep. And it's why I like EG's format, right? EG are, are running an amateur team as well. It's, it's, you know, how and why they brought up Danny. Like, huge respect to Kelsey Moser and everyone else in the coaching staff there. Like, um, like making, you're like looking at me. No, I wasn't. Okay, you were like doing this weird smile, and I'm no. Confused. It was a it was a pain. 
Oh, okay. He's a piece of tape stuck to his leg that was to help, help pull up the costume. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, I think like it's causing him. You're just like souring as I'm talking about each. Yeah. I'm like, no, what I, I say wrong? I, I, like my hand brushed the, the tape. Oh. And it ripped so it probably hair. ripped off some of his leg hair. That's yeah. why you're looking at each other all <laughs> the time. Well, I think kind of saw me do it. Yeah, well, I understood that, what happened. And I saw, I was just, yeah. I'm just comfortable. You know, I have sandals on actually. It's a little cold. My head is really uncomfortable. This wig is not You want to take it off? No, I'll, I'll give you permission. No, As you don't have. Who, I, I, I won the bet. bet. It's your bet. It's okay. It's okay. my bet. You take that off. I want to see. I want to see bald Ezreal. I'll feel like I'll have like an indent on my head now. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, oh, credit credit to EG. That feels looks, so much better. Yeah, really it looks great. <laughs> you look like you're oh. some kind of like weird pimped out rapper. <laughs> More so. At than, least I'm not a Karen anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a plus. Oh my god, that feels so much better. Uh, like, it was giving me a horrible headache. And it's really itchy. Not a fan of wigs. Or at least like that. $2 wigs that are like wigs. made out of like friggin' a Ziploc bag shredded up. Oh, oh. You know, it's recycled. You know, you're being good with the environment. I'll bet you if you wanted like a real toupee, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, be so bad. I don't have any experience. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well maybe we'll discover that in we'll another, another one day. Playoff <laughs> yeah. <Way> brackets. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, credit to EG, right? Because their talent scouting was so good that that you know, in the span of a year, they put a roster together that is maybe the single best in the LCS. They spent fourth or fifth most and have the first best team, or considerably. It's like that means you did a really, really good job with the money you were given. Your talent scouting was excellent, right? That you were able to buy players and pay players, you know, essentially under what they're worth or were able to develop them mm-hmm. very well to beyond what, what you know you paid for them. Like, this is huge credit to what you did. Like, like nothing but two thumbs up. If I had more thumbs, I'd give them more. EG did a great job. Yeah, big agree. Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty excited for EG as an org, like, since they came in. Because, I mean, they, they came in and their whole idea was like, ah, we're going to take down TSM. Screw them, right? You know, they right. kind of came in hot. And I was like, well, okay. But then they, they at least were spending money. And I know that they um, had the goal of, like, when I heard about some of the trades that they were trying to get, like, I heard they were literally trying to buy, like, Chovy and stuff year one and, like, some crazy things. Like, they were swinging for the fences. I'm like, that's cool. I think that's fun. Because... Uh, I will say I'm really excited for for this playoffs through the lens of even though I am somewhat like more down on Hundred Thieves and like TL than I than I had been you know at another time mm-hmm. because I think Hundred Thieves has been trending down a little bit TL just hasn't been as great throughout the split like I could still be, like if you told me you're from the future and TL won the split I'd be like yeah I could see it you know yeah. if if they have a they have more than enough talent that if these players play to their level like despite the fact that I think they're probably going to get slammed these by C9 like they could easily win right so like, I think. I think there's legit five teams that you could tell me they were the LCS champions. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think that's so fun. It makes both sides of the bracket more exciting. It makes the entire like playoff run more exciting. And you know, we could even just hop straight into the, say, the first do it. Let's thing. talk about it then. EG versus Dig is our is our first matchup, I believe. Um, that one feels probably like the the most lopsided you would expect of, of any of the potential upper bracket matchups. Sure. Because Reasons. Dig is like largely I think a holdover from spring as far as like the, the where their record is. They did reach upper bracket. They deserve that based off the success they had in spring. But when you're looking at, at purely the summer record, they were 12 and 15. EG is is 18 and 9, significantly better record as far as the eye test goes. EG looks significantly better. Like I think EG is the hottest team in the league like now. Um and and as a result, I do think this one is is looking more one-sided. Um in a big agreement, I would probably expect a 3-0 um, because like you're saying I, I think for the most part EG outclasses in every single position the one area that I would give a potential in to Dignitas would be bot lane yeah and I not even that Neo's better than 
Danny as a whole, but in the early game, there's a weakness there in the bot lane, and that is where Dignitas attacks the most. Uh, I covered some of the, the stats when we were casting together about like how they have double-digit, at the time when I checked the stats, they were the only people with double-digit first blood kills and assists in the bot lane. Mm -hmm. They are heavily played around. They don't leave lane very much. They mostly play aggressive things. Like They are very proactive in the bot lane, mm -hmm. and Acadian is also a pretty you know, proactive jungler. And so like, there's a world where Dignitas, if I was going to expect how they win, Snowball's bot lane has a lot of counter picks prepared, yep. a lot of volatile matchups like we we're talking about being important for upsets. And then like, you know, it doesn't matter that your solo lanes are losing because you are able to make the game about bot lane. Yeah. Uh, the thing I want to point out is, because uh, I saw Peter untweeted about this, uh, Dig and Toss technically have a winning record against Evil Geniuses on the year. Dig and Toss are three and two. Hey -oh. Those games are all in the old roster, right? It's 2-0 from spring and then another win in week one. Hey so this roster from Dignitas has not beaten Evil Geniuses. Um, you know, like the week four and week seven games, those those were EG wins. So it's like, even if you like tried to take like certain stat leanings, it's like that does not tell the actual picture here, right? All the dig wins are from the roster that was actually like, a, you know, a top five level team. And that would have been more exciting. Uh, you know, it sucks that everything kind of happened the way it did. Uh, but yeah, I feel like EG are like really heavy favorites. I think this is probably the most lopsided matchup of the entire playoff run. Like, after C9TL go to the lower bracket in fights like Golden Guardians, like, that'll be a closer match. Hmm. Golden Guardians TL will be closer than EG Dig. I think uh, depending on how teams look in the Immortals matchup, maybe that'd be the only other one, but that's two weeks away. So yeah. at least for, for round one and for the early part of the top, upper bracket, like after this, it's going to be a lot of bangers, but I expect this to be EG favored. Yeah, I think it's really EG favored. I mean, I, I fully agree with you with, with the Dignitas House bot lane take. The one thing that like makes me feel negative on it is I literally think we said the exact same thing in spring yeah. before they got super dumpstered 3 home by 100 Thieves. <laughs> We're like, but the bot lane has been good, though. And, and, lane, the FBI hooey. Yeah, that's fair. But I, but I mean, it, it, it is like it's not the same, right? It's not the most lane dominant uh, lane that they're going up against. So I, I do think that the matchup is better. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But I also think one of the things that's working against them is that like everyone looking at this matchup is going to go, ooh, but what about Neo and Afro? And then you have the ability. The if you coach is thinking that, too. Exactly. Right. Where you're going to be you're going to be drafting around that. You're going to be banning out some of their priority picks. You're going to be, you know, drafting winning lanes or uh, playing a style in which you can actually path towards bot. And like, guess what? Jazuke is really good at moving around the map. You know, Sven Skarin and contracts are, are you know, good at playing early game junglers and playing aggressively to that side. So I do think that that is the way in for Dignitas, but I still think it's a long shot because it feels like it is the only way in. And that is always gonna bite you in best of five where it comes to that point and everyone will prep for it yeah i mean i i agree i, yeah. I think the soul lanes we're talking about like you know sometimes you can win a lane so hard that the game kind of becomes about that i expect that to be happening mostly in the top triangle of, of the map where they just play so aggressively for eg and they're gonna outskill their opponents they all play really lane dominant almost all of them are highest in four percent csd mm -hmm. and all these numbers mm -hmm. that say like hey they're gonna be aggro and you have to stop them and i just don't think dignitas have the tools to stop them five three times in the five game series and and that's why i hope like i don't think that it'll happen but i really do hope that dignitas just kind of like throws it all the wind it just goes super aggressive bring out some spicy picks try some stuff because my frustration with dignitas is like they can look good in in games but often when they look bad they look so bad because they end up like just kind of sitting back and waiting to lose and this is what happened in spring as well and a lot of their losses is that you know when when they are outmatched 
they stop being proactive, right? Because they generally, like in spring, it was like they were super reliant on Dardock to get something happening. If Dardock got behind, the team just kind of like waited till their nexus blew up. And and it does feel somewhat similarly um, this split. I do think Acadian is like a little bit of that X factor. And then maybe if your bot lane is like getting 2v2 kills, like that's a way in. Uh, but largely, like as a team, they are not super proactive from behind. And that has always been kind of one of their Achilles heels. So like, I, I do hope that they play an aggressive series, that they really take their chances. Because I think for sure, you get blasted by EG if you let EG dictate the pace of the game because that's where they're strongest. Yep. All righty. We all th we all three zero. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. If I could give it a four zero, I would. <laughs> all right. C nine. Take one game longer. You could give it a two zero. That would be win a best of five. They just games. forfeit. After, they forfeit after the second <laughs> yeah. game. Uh, you know, Svenski will be two zero. Then contracts will win the last game. Oh, okay. okay. That's still yeah. three games. Just yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cloud nine versus TL. Uh, Team Liquid. You know they they're. In the upper bracket, they won against EG recently. They have their this is their the most reserved hype I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay, so they they have their 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 intended starting roster back together. You know, they have a tremendous amount of talent. I I am not sure if I am just like more negative on this team than the average, or if it was just more like uh, I was getting a lot of fan response. But like I, I tweeted out, hey, they're they're two and ten versus top four teams, right? They like haven't beaten Cloud Nine all year. Like I don't really expect this to go their way. I do think that yes, they have incredible talent, but I also think that all of the other crap that has gone on around TL with roster swaps, with Jat leaving, with like drama, uh, you know, health issues, like they have had a lot of roadblocks. And I do think that handicaps you. Like even if everything is like super happy now, you have lost weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of practice, right? So I, I just think they are at a significant disadvantage as a result. And I, I tweeted that out and like there was so many responses as far as like, ah, those games don't count. Like they were with other people or like they didn't have the full roster together. And I'm like, yeah, but that hurts them. And I also think that there was a reason that they made these swaps, right? Yep. And even with like Santorin, it seemed mostly like people were less negative on Jenkins and more negative on Armeo. But even with Santorin, they are one in five against top four teams. So it's literally the same record as with Armeo. Some like a lot of those games were with Jenkins, but I think Jenkins, Santorin, was the pair that won. I think that Alfari only played like two games versus top top four teams and lost them both. Yep. Um, so it's like th there are a lot of mitigating factors as to why they, they finished the way they did and why they looked the way they did in summer. Mm -hmm. But I think it counts against them. I think it hurts sure. them. I mean, you look at Alfari in particular because like he's he's the one missing piece that like, you know, was subbed out and came back in. Like, he hasn't won a single game on any new meta champion. Lee Sin in season opener, lost to TSM. Uh, Dr. Mundo, when he came back, lost to Golden Guardians. Uh, and then he has his Viego game uh, against Dignitas. Loses that one. These are the teams you're losing to when you're playing champs that weren't released in 2015, right? Like, if, if the problem is, right, like, we need to bench Alfari for whatever reason, like whether it's motivation or whatever, and he's not scrimming with the teams. He's not getting real practice on new things. Oh, he wasn't even playing Academy, oh, yeah. right? Like this is a problem, right? And it's not Alfari's dumb, Alfari's bad, Alfari's whatever, but to your point around losing practice, he lost practice on He has chance, not practiced yeah. on the new stuff. He's still playing Jason, Camille, and like, you know, he had a Malphite game. Like, cool, champs from a while ago. And that's fine if he can make it work. And Viego got nerfed for lanes, and, and Gwen's been nerfed to where and most teams aren't playing nerfed. anymore. Lee Sin got nerfed. So, like, it might be fine. Yeah. But, like, the evidence shows that, like, oh, those missed reps mattered. Yeah. Yeah, practice matters a lot. I feel like, especially when you start looking at the actual matchup versus Cloud9 and how they lost 
the uh, finals in spring, it was a lot of hard targeting Alfari and saying, like, if you don't get Alfari going, you don't, don't win as many games. And they were able to do that. And he got first-blooded all five games, I believe. First-blooded, I think once it was actually... Uh, oh, it just happened in the lane. It was Armeo in the lane, but it was a 2v2 top. Yep. Um, and so all the kills happened in top lane in top jungle skirmishes. So there were some times where I think you could say, hey, I w I'm a believer that if Santorum was in there, they would have played differently. Not that C9 would have lost, but it yep. looks like those early situations would have I mean, gone different. They lost them sure. twice, right? They lost them. They lost 3-1 with, one with him well. and then... Yeah, so I, I don't think Santorum necessarily changed that series, but at least some of those situations. Yeah. And moving forward, you hope that you can shore that up because otherwise, if I'm C9, I'm going to do it again. If, if it worked the first... X amount of times we played each other. I'm going to target Alfari, keep him down. Fudge has a good champion pool. He's been getting better and better. Blabber's good about camping lanes and getting top and stuff. Unless Jensen starts hulking out more, or I mean, Tactical has been better. And so if you're playing Caitlyn Thresh and you're like, go camp Alfari, dude, lose your turret at eight minutes, you know, like maybe that can change the game state and give them more options. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's. Otherwise, I, I think C9 looks a little uh, pretty favored. I mean, to me, it's like so easy, though, like where you're looking at Digitas, like, ah, if they have to win, it has to be this. Yeah. TL could easily win. Like, yeah. you could just be like, Jensen has a, has a series that's the best that he's had right lately. Okay, you just could win off that. Yeah. Tactical and Core JJ play some of their best 2v2 in a while. Okay, they could win off Blabber that. Blabber and Perks die Al at Scuttle three times. <laughs> yeah, like Alfari plays Camille and he's up 40 CS and split pushes you to death. Okay, they could win. Like, mm -hmm. there's so many ways to see it. But yeah. like, my problem is not the individuals, it's the whole and how they work together. Um, they have consistently shown to, that they are a team like and this kind of goes back to like the soul of the LCS conversation that Peter Dunn was having where they just wait for their opponents to make mistakes and like even with advantages they often play fairly passive I do think that like that has been something that's been consistent for them through summer is that even when they are playing from ahead, they are, are happy to just kind of like sit back and scale and it lets their opponents dictate the pace of the game and it lets their opponents, you know, look for the plays that they want and have opportunities to come back in games where they otherwise might not be able to. And I do think that really just works against you when you're playing against an aggressive team. And if they can fix these issues, they could be great, but it's, it's a big if. And something else that was really interesting, I'll just hop this in, then you guys can go. Um, when I was talk I was on uh, Next Level earlier, we recorded that earlier today, and Contracts had pointed out basically, like, you know, he, he felt like Medios was there too, so obviously some junglers. They're talking about the difference between Armeo and Santorin and how they basically felt like, you know, Armeo plays for himself, yep. getting himself ahead, Santorin plays for his lanes, but Contracts was pointing out that, like, one of the things that he felt that Santorum was hurting on in these most recent set of games from missing practice was that he was playing for his lanes, but in an inefficient manner. Like he would be too early. Like he wouldn't have the timing correct when he would show up to a lane. And thus he had missed the camp that he could have killed and then shown up to the lane. So he felt that was one of the key issues that Santorin had on this, on this most recent weekend where he was kind of progressively getting behind because his pathing just wasn't as efficient as it could have been largely probably because of practice. I think, um, for me, one of the other things for a team like with that is a bit scary beyond any of that stuff is also their drafts have been very hit or miss uh, for me. Mm -hmm. I did not love that time, you know, that they had no damage with the Lulu. They fixed it the next time around where they had the Lulu Olaf and a little bit clearer of a game plan. It was a really nice counter pick. But then this weekend again, they have like basically three lanes that do nothing with Viego, where you have Jace, which, you know, he wants to push in, he wants pressure but you don't actually like chain gank for jace or anything like that you often don't tower dive because they just hide from the poke right you just you, you usually just want to make it as uninteractive as possible so jace can slam lane azir doesn't want to do anything yep and then you have ezreal 
Leona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's laughing at it. <laughs> I mean, Swatting invisible flies, you. I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, they had Ezra Leona, and it's like, where do you go to actually get advantages? You like you, you outscale and you just hard farm and you hope you win the game. Yep. And then Jensen actually did a great job following all the roams that happened. The Azir, he, he was playing out of his mind. He, he played so good that game. And because their comp literally does nothing but like try and poke you and has to get to objectives first and like, you know, doesn't actually do anything. Yep. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that your Azir was like six and one or eight and two, whatever he was. Mm -hmm. So I think there's there's pretty consistent draft issues for me with with Team Liquid. Yep. Uh, whereas C9, like I generally like the drafts. They, they play one way. Even the Yasuo stuff. I thought they had some some bad drafts and some of their losses. The Diana Yasuo too. game, I thought was fine if I remember. I'm trying to think of the exact comp, but I just remember feeling like the other team basically had so much peel that it was like into a thresh and there was like exhaust and there was all there was all these different confounding factors that, yeah. that it ended up feeling like they could essentially only go for the enemy ADC who had so many like simple ways to survive. Like they, yeah. they basically had one effective Diana Yasuo combo where it was in like bottom lane tribrush where, you know, like Blabber went in and Perks had ran into the dragon pit and was able to follow up all over the wall. And that was like it the whole game. And it was and a cleanup. Like they'd already won the fight basically. Yeah. I was like, they're running away. I'll flash, don't worry. And then they got two. I remember something really troll happening in that game that made I me. Can't, maybe I so. can't remember exactly what, but I just remember feeling like kind of adverse to the to the comp, just thinking oh. that like I was watching how they're interacting. And I'm like, I just don't see how you consistently kill people. That was the game where they didn't, they got TP advantage on top lane, right? The sure. impact TP down lost all his farm fudge held his tp got a huge lead they got the two kills they had tp advantage and then their macro for the next five minutes was so bad i lost my mind on it wasn't on the analyst but like behind the scenes they just like trade for top turret to get danny back into the game get him some gold then they try to attack where the global is you know it's like you have tp advantage where should you go where are the TP advantages so that that way Jazuke can TP in and you yep. don't ever attack the AD carry in the long lane yep. they just killed and blew yep. a bunch of summoners. Like I lost my mind that they didn't repeat kill. I blame okay. that way more than the draft. I'm like, what are you doing for these five minutes? Okay. I lost my mind. Five minutes, why C9 and I mean, the yeah, fourth best team, right? That's like, why they struggle. They are, in fact, inferior to EG and 100 Thieves across the season and TSM, and, and that's where they stand. Uh, a really quick point, because I looked it up, uh, talking about um, playing not selfishly enough in the mm -hmm. jungle. Um, the jungle meta, in terms of like what people are actually picking, what they're actually playing, what's mm -hmm. on the rift, Viego and Diana are first and third most played junglers. Like They are selfish junglers. They are ones where they are the carry. They want to have gold. Diana like is going to go in and do 700 damage, which is her ultimate. And Viego just, right, like he needs to scale up so he can get the resets to keep going. So it's like, mm -hmm. you actually need to play those champions greedily in order to play them well. Olaf as well. I feel like if, yeah, you, don't like have, five. if you don't have incredibly high farm on Olaf, you just like, you have to play from ahead of the pace of the game, right? Yeah. Because if yeah. you are squishy, when you pop your ultimate run in, which is literally the only way to play the champion, mm -hmm. <laughs> you just die. Yep. Um, and and yeah, I think, I think that that kind of leads into another point, which is just that though C9, I think over the course of the summer split has, has not been fantastic um, by any means. I do think that they have been getting better. And I think that is largely in part to the fact that the, the current meta just fits Blabber way better, right? Like when he went to MSI and he's trying to play, you know, Rumble and Morgana and these types of champions, he never really looked very comfortable on him. When, he, when he's playing these melee, like bruisery, like run at you style champions, when he can play like Lee Sin and Zid and Olaf, like that is his bread and butter. That's how he won two MVPs. And over the last couple of weeks, I think he has looked so much better. It was like I was watching a different jungler play, like from spring, and then you know this. Here's our MVP. This is the guy, and then you watch from MSI to like the first like five six weeks of summer, and it was like, who is this player? Like, <laughs> like he just didn't look like himself. He didn't look dominant, 
as he has always been in the LCS for so long. And, yep. and I do think that that was largely a reflection of the meta. So I think that has worked pretty heavily in the favor of Cloud9 coming into playoffs, where it's like his best champs are good to go. Mm -hmm. You have serious predictions? 3-1 Cloud9. Not thinking about it much. I'm just like, I think they're substantially the better team. So I'll just go 3-1. Yeah, I, I'm kind of sitting sitting in the same same realm. Like, I'm wondering, you know, if I'm really just underrating TL and they'll, they'll have stuff kind of good to go. But I do feel like it's pretty favored for Cloud9. I do feel like 3-0, yeah. 3-1 yeah. um, around there. Like, But, you know, I, I hope that I'm wrong and I hope that TL can really, like, have improved because then you do have another legit championship yeah. threat and it's going to make playoffs so exciting. I, I think, you know, there's historical basis for feeling C9 is favored in this matchup no matter what. And mm -hmm. then with the current form of the two teams, I would yep. still go um, C9 as well. Cloud9 have won the last five games straight against TL. Two of those being game four and five of the finals, but every game of summer as well. And not all that's with the roster, right? So it, it's a biased stat in the first place, but they have had yeah. their number. 3-2, I'm going. I think yeah. it's close still. I think it's going to go back and forth close. because I I don't think C9 is close to their championship form either, or at least like relative to the field. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't feel like, I don't feel confident in C9 as I predict them. Mm -hmm. um, almost as much due to them as Team Liquid. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, Cloud9 obviously beat them in two best fives in, in spring. They won all their games against them in summer. So uh, just based on that, you have to favor them. But it's going to be an exciting one. I'm, I'm really interested in that series because I think it's going to dictate so much of people's opinions going forward. Yeah. Like, you know, are Cloud9 and TL really championship contenders? And I think that series is going to tell us a lot. All right, we have an anchor question here. This one comes from Matthew Stevens. Hey, guys, big fan of the show. I was thinking about how American sports like basketball do best of series where they play a single game per day for a week or so. What if the LCS or an international finals was three best of threes spread out across a single weekend? How do you think strategy would evolve? Uh, there's this other American sport that I like quite a lot called football. And uh, it has a single event, single game. Mm, what do they call it? Day. It's called the Super Bowl. Oh, and it's uh, pretty popular most of the time it rolls I haven't around. I've heard of it. Um, okay. So I'm going to go with, uh, no, I like best of five. But he, that, his question at the end of the day is, how if do you happens, think strategy would evolve? So yeah. it's happening in this reality, Mark. Yeah, I'm not watching it anymore. What if it happened? It's <laughs> too many games. You're just quitting. It's too many games. Too long of a weekend. I don't have that time. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a, hmm. answer his actual question as far as how, how his strategy evolve. <laughs> I, I think it's a cool question. First of all, I think it would be ex exciting. I, I think the the realist in me is just like, Venues are incredibly expensive. Having having all of this stuff operated over a course of multiple days is just astronomically more expensive. And that is one of the big reasons that people don't just like extend, extend, extend an event is that it's like when you have the bird's nest or like X crazy huge venue, you have the Staples Center. Guess yep. what? It's really expensive yep. to run the event. And if you do three days instead of one, it's it even more expensive. It doubles the price of the event because you're, you're doubling the days because of the setup. Azale, you told me that wasn't the question. The question was, how do you think I am going to answer. So I'm saying the realist in me is saying, I don't think it would happen. But I actually think it would be really cool. Um, I think as far as how strategy would evolve, you would you would have to have more of a progression of of strategies, right? We have seen a lot of of like really critical series dictated by it's like ooh Zyra Ash comes out and that dictates a series, like or ooh there's like now it's Caitlyn Jason, it's this hard pushing meta at Worlds in Art and Sensor when everyone was trying to do scaling Lulu Cog, um, you know that that sort of stuff will be important, but it would not 
just like run you over in a series. So I do think as far as like the, the strategic aspect of it, you would have to have like a, like a, you know, kind of like a long plan in that it's like, okay, we're going to play the first one, you know, standard. The second one, we're going to be throwing out this cheese. The third one, we're going to be doing this. It would have to be like kind of a longer extended plan. I, I also think that the reality would be there would be far fewer upsets because if you come out day one with your crazy strategy and you win best of three against like IG or, you know, EDG or whoever, RNG, whoever the, the big dog is in that tournament, and then they get to go back to the drawing board and figure out what they want to do against it day two. So unless you can like, again, on day two, have that like crazy thing that they don't expect and execute perfectly and win two out of three of those best of threes, it would be so hard to win. So I think upsets would become less common. I'm uh I'm pretty much with you. I think strategically you actually wouldn't see anything too like as an outside observer. I think for the people involved, you know, it's going to be radically different that you can review their Prep level ones and what's that? Prep would be hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you get to go, you know, you have an analyst go through each player's pro view and you're like, "Okay, you know, like now we go on to the next match the next day and it's like, okay, here's what we have learned. Here's some specific you can yeah, review. Yeah. So, I think like for people working it's going to be really different. But yeah. for the viewer, I don't think you're going to see like substantially more cheese, for example, because you're still like the reason that you do cheese is trying to grab a win or like yeah, you're losing. You, you need to throw a wrench in the plan. Like, oh, this thing's really ridiculous. Throw Zyra at it, you know, or um, the MF, MF for the, the Zyra. Zyra yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you would still do that. Th those kinds of things would still happen in this thing. You wouldn't get more of them for no reason. I, I, I think it would pretty much be the same. What about second best of three? You just won the first one, you know, mm -hmm. and now you have now you have a yeah, series. People to already, give. I'm saying it's a people, twelve hour break instead of a twelve minute break. But how much are you getting done on those hours that you weren't doing the week heading into that match? Yeah, right? I think a lot of the time the it's not like oh god, we we like prepped so much extra stuff now because you're not getting that many extra games in this format, and like you're realistically gonna be like oh we lost to this thing, do we need to ban it or not? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. kind of the question that you ask coming out of those drafts. Usually, out of those games, you're like hey, this thing was a problem. Not it looked like to me. Was it a problem for you? Yeah. No, you can handle it. Okay, what are we doing? And you would just do that again. There, there's one thing you could do. The one minor thing is you, you'd have enough time to like say, okay, oh, I wasn't ready for like him to bring out Jace or whatever, right? Okay, what are the counters? It's like, well, you have enough time then to like confer with your team and then like practice the lane counter. You're not going to get a bunch of scrims in, but it's like, okay, you can go, hey, Kumo, like let's play some games and like get a bunch of like, we'll make it up Camille Jace games in like, okay, I think I can play the lane better now. Less right? panic That bands. you can do. Yeah coming into day two that you can't do in the 12 minute turnaround yeah. so like there are some specific things you can do and we can see that but it would be i think pretty small like maybe that really gets far-reaching but that's kind of the limit to me yeah yeah less panic bands i think is what i what i'd say is the yeah. strategic evolution it's it's cool i mean it's it's cool thought process uh, the one thing i immediately think of though that would really suck is that you do like your world's opening ceremonies and you're all hyped up and there's an it's hour of intro happens. and then there's two games it's, yep. it's a 2-0 <laughs> in your first best of three, and I have to wait till the next yep. day. That would be such a, like, yep. deflation. Yeah, and then you bought tickets for Sunday, but that doesn't happen because the first team won the first <laughs> best of threes, yeah. and you're like, all right, well. And that happens with the NBA and whatnot, yep. and, you know, okay, we didn't have a game seven piece, whatever, but, but yeah, the fact that, like, things have a, like, set time, right? Like, all conventional sports, except for, like, cricket, are, like, time-based, mm -hmm. I guess. Well, and they own the stadiums. And that's also a big deal. Yes, owning the stadium means you don't have to rent it out. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of logistical hurdles, but we don't have to keep belaboring that. All right, we got a Twitter question here. This one comes from Daniel the Bear 42 just got done listening to this week's dive and I love the discussion about Amumu at the end he's always been one of my favorite champions even if he's not played a lot my question is if you had full creative authority what would you do to make him viable and so I don't know if you were on this one we were talking about basically that Amumu is good at low elo but has traditionally struggled at pro and at a challenger level where people more aggressively invade and kind of like really punish some of his more clear weaknesses even yeah. though he is a strong team fighter yeah you you basically do some um 
And actually, this is a spoiler. We'll see if they even get to it because these projects get picked up and taken down all the time. As like there's, there's a mid-tier scope happening actually with one of the right designers where they're like, let's try to fix the gigantic ELO skew with Amumu. Um, this happened with like Azir and it worked pretty well. This happened with Aurelia recently and she actually flattened out to where she's viable in pro and for regular people. So that that scope of work for Amumu. Um, generally speaking, the TLDR for any of this type of work is like, Make early game better, make late game worse tends to fix um, good and low elo, bad and high elo skew. So like mm -hmm. really a more powerful um, in late game because that's that's more represented in, in average elo. So you do the opposite here for Mimu. So it'd be like, oh, you know, how good are his base stats? Like how much damage does W and E actually deal? Oh, nowhere close to Olaf stuff. Oh, okay. Well, maybe Tanner should be like an actual ability. Um, and, and you know, the fact that he has good damage rank ups on all three abilities to the point where like you can actually conceivably max any one of those first means he just scales so well with levels, which you get and matter in silver and don't matter in pro. So like that's the kind of stuff you'd tweak. Sounds good to me. Ship it. All right. Thank you, Freak. Yeah. Plus, you just revealed, so you may be fired. We may never see Freak yeah. again. Uh, oh. All right. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, we have one final thing here, an Apple review. This one comes from Dar uh, Dartanigan or D'Artagnan? D'Artagnan. Okay. D'Artagnan MD, I believe it is. Dr. D'Artagnan. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Dive, for saving my promos. Imagine this. I'm in my plat promos. I'm a jungle main, and it's game five. The tension is rising. I don't know what to pick anymore because my Nocturne got banned and I'm bronze on every other champ. I'm feel. panicking, thinking maybe it's time to bust out my tank Syndra build. But luckily, the dive was playing on my other monitor and Mark C starts talking about how busted Lulu jungle is. I pick it with hes hesitation and I go 0020 just as God intended. Thank you, Mark C, for saving my promos. Uh, I will take credit for this, but I will also say I did not say that on the dive. I also saw some of the comments in that one being like, I can't believe Mark is advocating for Lulu jungle. I wasn't. I was saying I wanted Lulu changed so that she was a good jungler because she's not right Don't now. Don't you watch the champion spotlights? She's literally in there as a jungler. Yeah, yeah when it was made six years ago or whatever. I mean, more than that. But Eight yeah, I ended up getting like a first blood, like level two gank. And then I'm just like running around with double buffs, like up 300 gold. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, if anyone, if you're one of those commenters, get your ears checked because I never said you should play Lulu Jungle, including the person who left this Apple review. But I'm glad you uh, won the promos. But watch the spotlight, though. It has Lulu Jungle. Yeah. It's Pog. Well, you heard it from Mark. He thinks Lulu Jungle is meta and we're going to see it in the playoffs That's this true. week. That'll wrap it up for us for now. Thanks again, Honda, for making this episode possible. And remember... You can watch us on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, youtube.com slash LCS. You can also check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. You can watch Mark doing a queen wave. Freaks is more regal. Much more regal, actually. Please send us your questions on Twitter. Use the hashtag TheDiveLOL. And finally, send us your takes. Send us your questions on Anchor.fm. We just might react to it here on The Dive. The LCS playoffs start this weekend with some banger matches. EG going head-to-head -head with Ding Toss 2 p.m. this Saturday with Cloud9 and TL 2 p.m. this Sunday or 1 p.m. on this Sunday. It's going to be quite a weekend. Don't miss it. We'll see you there.